Hello and welcome to Not Sisters Podcast. I'm Emily, the mom. And I'm Taylor, the daughter. Ah, so I feel like I have not seen you. I say that all the time, but I truly didn't. I know. This is our first time really taking time to connect. sit and connect with each other since mom got back from her vacation. And I feel like I had so much to tell you in that you were gone for so long <laughs> and it's only been a week. <laughs> I know. Well, and then you're leaving again. And I'm leaving um, and I'm really excited. Awesome. Yes. So I'm just going to jump in with my success. It was a successful vacation. Had so much fun. Love the island of Oahu. We were in Waikiki, Honolulu area. And I was there. I've been there twice before. Once as a child and then once just as a puddle jumper for the day. So like the experiences have all been different. This one was so cool because we walked over 18,000 steps almost every day. I love that. Did your legs chafe? <laughs> no, they actually didn't. And I'm thinking <laughs> because my short, I can't even recall what I wore when we were out and about walking because um, we did it so much. But it was so cool to see the mountain of diamond head which is this amazing beautiful like crater like type mountain that's green with the ocean but then yet you're in this like las vegas type city that would be weird it just was so weird like every morning we kept walking walking the beach and i just kept tripping out on it i was uh -huh. like this is so cool this is so crazy and the awesome thing is is that we're three hours ahead in California. So we were getting up at like 4.30. So mm -hmm. then we were having getting our coffee at five and then there wasn't that many people on the beach. But I will say that we were totally tired by five o'clock. Like there were some <laughs> nights where we got in bed where like it's 5.30 oh my and we gosh. were so tired, but I opened up the windows to the balcony and just like we listened to the, the live music. There was live music every night so oh we gosh. could hear it from our balcony. Yeah. That was really cool. That sounds so magical. It was. I, but then it was weird too because I kind of, it was awesome to have the city and the beautiful beaches, and it was just so easy to swim in those beaches. Um, but then I kind of was missing Maui a little bit because where we go, there's not as many people mm -hmm. and just kind of the quietness of it. Um, but I read two and a half books. I'm almost done with my third. Oh, my gosh. So I was just just a reading machine. Yeah, flipping I, page after mm -hmm, page. I read two pretty good books. Uh, the one is called something, The Missing Woman, uh, which you'll like. It's a thriller suspense. <laughs> and then there was an Ellen Hildenbrand or whatever story. And that one was really good. It was like a vacation about a hotel. Yeah, I love just reading easy books mm -hmm. on vacation. Like I bought like a Colleen Hoover. Well, I didn't mm -hmm. buy it. I got it at the library. Um, one of her books to bring on my vacation just to like easily yes. read it. And I'll give you the other one too. So you can read it. Oh, Because perfect. it'll be, you'll, you'll probably finish it on the plane. On the plane. You're such a fast <laughs> reader. So that was my. What was your favorite food that you ate there? Oh, there's always so much good food. I mean, we went to, I think it's called like Lippert's Bakery. It starts with an L. And that was really fun. They had good food. Our food was actually really good at our um, 
resort where we stayed because sometimes mm -hmm. it's not. It's just okay. It, it was really good. I think I really liked their coconut shrimp. Ooh, that sounds so good. And the ABC store food mm -hmm. is good. Like one day we were on the beach all day and I was like, I'm just going to go right up to the store and go get some snacks. Yeah. And I bought an egg salad sandwich and it, the bread was moist and yeah soft. you can just buy like a wrap or something but yeah something. we had that and like fruit and my friend told me that i had to eat a hawaiian papaya not the other papaya there's two different i don't know there's different papayas and i don't like papayas they taste like dirt to me mm -hmm. i do not like them and she's like no no eat the hawaiian papaya it's totally different so we got a hawaiian papaya at the market and i ate it but it it like has still a tasted like, like a, it has a vomit smell to me. Oh. And I sent her a picture and she was like, oh my gosh. And then I told her my feelings about it. And she goes, actually, it does kind of have a vomit like oh my smell. Gosh. And, and so I want to eat it so bad because I know like it's good for you. Yeah. I just but the pineapple was on point. Mm, the fruit has been so good lately. Mm -hmm. On Sunday, we made, we barbecued and just got a bunch of fruit and cut it up and ate it. Oh, it was delicious. It was yummy. I love just eating good fruit when it going into summer when it's hot outside. Yes. Like, just refreshing. Mm, a cold, crunchy grape. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of my fail though. My fail. Oh yeah. What was your fail? We were on the airplane going there, and I swear, I think, I don't know what was wrong with me that day when we got up and left, but I literally spilled my whole coffee when I was getting ready. It was whatever time, like five or six in the morning, mm -hmm. which is not that early for me. And I totally spilled my whole coffee in the bathroom and i never done that oh my so gosh I had a, I had you're so change. excited to go to Hawaii. so i had a change before we even went to the airport and then my husband kept saying i'm gonna wear these pant these shorts because if i spill anything on them you can't see and he kept talking about the spill even before i spilled my coffee and i'm like why is he so obsessed about like something spilling on his pants like he knew he well i think he put it out there so then when we got the, like the drink service and so we're both like hey let's get a margarita like that's fun yeah. so we order these margaritas i literally had just poured it in the cup with the ice and he was grabbing some snacks and he's like don't let this spill on me and I don't oh even God. know what happened but like literally the whole cup just like spilled on him Oh, and no. I was horrified and I could see him, the whole, the whole emotions. Like he didn't <laughs> want to yell at me, Yeah, and, but he, I knew he was freaking out because like <laughs> his shorts were, it was, I, oh my God, it was, it was horrible. And I luckily had a blanket. So we sat it on, but you're so, you're, you're like crammed in there. Yeah. You're crammed in. Every time I get on a plane, I think I get bigger and bigger because the plane is oh so small. We were in, there was three of us in the seat. My husband is not like, he's just a, like, he's not like a regular, size, he's just guy. A regular size guy. And then there was a bigger guy next to me and I was in the middle. So I barely had room. We barely had room to even like. Yeah, no, you're move. like crammed in there. And I think it just was like literally, it just, I don't even know what happened, but it went all over him. Then I could tell he was just so, and not only that, like the drink, it, I mean, whatever. It was $13, wasted the oh whole my margarita. God. You and paid $13 for an airline? 
well, well, an airplane margarita? It was like I wanted to just go to sleep and just yeah. relax. And, and it was horrible. But luckily, he was wearing, like, the hybrid shorts that are, like, they you can use them, So they did drive fast. But then he was obsessed with, like, if you could see it, but they were dark. I'm like, you can't see anything. Oh, my God. That sounds really stressful. It was. <laughs> it was. He held it together pretty good. And then, like, he was okay, like, 45 minutes later. But I was like, oh, my God. I can't. Like, I am so sorry. There's no. I Yeah, there's in, no. Then. <laughs> well, it always kills me because Lee always tries to, like, hand me things. So, like, he will, he will not be carrying anything and I'll be carrying everything because mm-hmm. he's, like, so focused on, like, not, like, getting things in order. And I'm like, dude. You're, I can't get my things in order because you're handing everything to me. And he's all sitting all comfortably. And then you, you mean while you were stacked with yeah. bags. And he, <laughs> I hate when he drives my car because he always does crazy things in my car that he would be really upset if I did in his truck. Like he moves every mirror and he moves the seat and he puts it in all these different modes. And I'm like, can you just get in my car and drive it? Like it's not that hard of a car to drive. <laughs> And um, safety first. He never has ever asked to wash my car. And so we went to the car wash. This could be our fail. Um, He went to like this car place and he bought a bunch of stuff to wash the car, even though I told him we already had car stuff. But he this was his mission. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to let him just do his car washing. He hands me the bucket full of car washing stuff as I'm sitting in the passenger seat instead of like putting it in the trunk or in the back seat. So I are we already were coming back from shopping. So I had bags, my purses, like tons of stuff already to like take out of my car because I as you know in our clean episode I have to take everything out of my car like the Starbucks trash from earlier the straw wrappers like I have to take it all out we get to the house I put the bucket of car wash stuff and the windshield fluid between the two cars that he was gonna wash and then I like go and start inside and start making dinner he was so upset because he went to go move my car around and he ran over the windshield fluid or whatever. Did it totally explode? Oh, yeah. It exploded it everywhere. And he was like, oh, no, you put it there. Why would you put it? And I was like, oh, my God. I just, I can't. <laughs> so These men are did killing your us. car get clean? Yeah. And then it rained the next day. <laughs> But for real, if you ever need it to rain, just wash your car the day before. Mm -hmm. It'll always rain. (laughs) I was happy it did rain because mine had been sitting like at the airport, like parking. Oh, yeah. So it was so dirty. And then it rained and now it doesn't look as bad. Now it doesn't look as bad. (laughs) But I had a lot of good things. I feel like the whole week was just like good thing after good thing after good thing. Because I started my week off going to one of my friend's birthday dinners and it was so much fun and we tried new food and it was a place I've never gone to. So question, we had talked about the birthdays. Did she have like the place already planned of where she wanted to go or did you have to figure it out or how did that work? She had everything planned. Yeah. Cause I texted her and I was like, what are you doing for your birthday? Like your birthday's coming up, whatever. And yeah, planned it all. Perfect. Loved it. Oh, and then she went on a trip with her boyfriend. That is great. <laughs> I also went wine tasting with oh, a bunch I of my friends. That. Yes. And it was so much fun. We went to Farniente, Nickel and Nickel in Foley. Okay. And I'd never been wine I've... tasting in Napa before, even though we live in 
cheese on the county. Yes. And so I tried this dessert wine that was at Farniente, and it's called Dolce. Mm -hmm. And it was so good. It was this really? dessert wine that was, they call it liquid gold. Uh -huh. And it, ha it had a lot of, like, viscosity. Like, it, it was thick. Uh -huh. And it was so tasty and sweet. It, it was just, like, delicious. Like, nothing I've ever tasted before. And the guy that was showing us around the tour person he had this trick where if you like eat blue cheese and then drink it it has like a really cool taste and it did it totally tasted cool but he said you could drizzle it on like cheesecake you could dip things in I've it heard that like you could put it on ice cream yeah because like, i have this dessert wine that a uh, winemaker gave me mm -hmm. but it they're they're so sweet that i they're so sweet so maybe i'll try that with the cheese yeah it was so cool um so I regret not getting a bottle, but that's okay. Maybe you could go again sometime. Yeah, I'll have to go again. That's cool. Another cool update when you were not here was that the senior site opened. Mm -hmm. And so all the elders came in to eat lunch and they were so cute. And I overheard this one lady saying how, so another senior was like, oh, like, what have you been doing? And she's like, nothing much, just bored at home. Like, I'm glad I was able to get out today. And it made me so happy that, that they have like this space to come and see each other and have the social experience yeah. of like being among yeah somewhere to go. Well, I went to a mental health forum yesterday for the county and they were showing the statistics and where we live, they had more overdoses. The overdoses were higher than actual COVID rates, but COVID was a national um, emergency, state of emergency or whatever, but overdose and like fentanyl and that yeah. is not. And they were, sh they, you know, were showing like the numbers and the statistics and where we're at and how people are getting, seeking more mental health, but like that, um, I don't want to say career path, but that the providers like psychiatrists, mm -hmm. psychologists, therapists and stuff is declining for a lot of different reasons. We can go into another day, but a lot of it they talked about was it's loneliness, isolation, yeah. that they've been completely separated from like family and friends because mm -hmm. of it. So I think the fallout, which we had talked about a long time ago before this, the fallout is going to be a lot bigger than what the actual like oh, COVID, a hundred percent. I saw a chart the That's other a day. Opinion, but we did have statistics at this. Oh thing. no, I think that would be the general agreement mm -hmm. is that the symptoms of COVID are probably going to end up being more detrimental than mm -hmm. COVID itself. Mm -hmm. But I saw another chart that had the amount of friends that people had and how old they are, and it was like a chart from. Oh yes. I, I might have sent too. it to you. Yes. And nowadays, people have significantly less friends mm -hmm. or close friends. And I was like, oh, like people. And family that they're connected to. Mm -hmm. Like you use like at a certain ages. I think it literally just said people you're close to or something uh, like that. And it had your ages. That's so sad. I know. But the good thing was is that the seniors were. Yeah, they have mm -hmm. their place to go mm -hmm. back. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little nervous to be leaving because my mom is going to be watching my dog <laughs> and she's nervous to watch him too i'm nervous because he's a puppy and he's big and i like he's so sweet he's so sweet <laughs> but i can just imagine him running at me and i'm like oh my god oh my god 
and my house is like so so little uh-huh but um but I if you think about like, it our house yeah. like he's usually in our room true but you don't have to worry about the space because he'll just want to be on top of you oh great like he needs to be touching you at uh-huh. all times <laughs> i wonder if he will i think he will because like our roommates he always gets attached to them too mm-hmm. and we'll want to like snuggle up on them mm-hmm and he's just so different than bullet where like bullet was like an old wise man like don't touch me i'm here i'll come to you and i feel like diesel is just like a little princess diva <laughs> baby and he's like i'm here like what are we doing yes. <laughs> like the party has arrived yeah i'm here <laughs> so i'm gonna bring over his puzzles so he can do those with you oh. <laughs> if he gets annoying <laughs> and he loves cheese sticks <laughs> oh well, i have cheese sticks that's Perfect. good yes it'll be interesting we'll see if i survive or if i have any fails or wins i know leva's like i wonder what jp's gonna do the first time that he scratches at him to let him under the covers oh my god <laughs> well you said he sleeps in the crate though right he can sleep in the crate but i usually just have him sleep with me I feel like if he's at our house, he'll sleep in the crate. Yeah, he'll sleep. In he'll the just crate. be like, I don't know what happened. Why am I here? Updates to come. Yes. <laughs> and then his crate is so big. I was like, well, we can't put it in your room. Yeah, so it'll we... have to be out where Bullet's <laughs> water and food bowl was at, like out there. Yeah. I know. It won't fit anywhere in my house. No. <laughs> oh my god. It's like in the middle of the kitchen. I know. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Pictures to come. Yeah that'll be maybe you'll have so much fun you won't want to give him back (laughs) he's a big dog but he listens so well that if you were to just like yell at him Mm -hmm. he would immediately stop cower yeah (laughs) he does listen really well to you i'm gonna clip this on so i can see my oh your notes Mm -hmm. so this week besides just doing a catch-up on our lives i watched the thai cave rescue on netflix and we were talking about it the other day and we were like oh this would just be a fun conversation to have on the podcast so that's what we're gonna do and i remember when it happened um it was was it back in 2019 or 18. you know i don't Um, remember i think i have it right it was 2018. 2018. yeah i remember when it happened and i was so like obsessed with it Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know why or what it was that intrigued me about it initially i think maybe it was the whole process of creating a worldwide team mm-hmm. and like it came together as like a a, unit. A, a a human project where countries were coming together and figuring out how to solve like how to figure out how to get them out of there mm-hmm. and i was would follow it and then i remember when they got them out and i was just like crying i was like <laughs> oh my gosh and i think the team was mm-hmm. so adorable they're so cute the cutest group of boys ever yes and even they have the first video of them when they come up um, out of the water and they're shining the lights on them and some of them are smiling so I do have a sad story about that boy that it was the first photo taken as they emerged Mm -hmm. uh, or I think it was when the divers went in and they saw him and then they took a picture of the face. That boy that had the big smile, Mm -hmm. he died. I know. I saw that in when I was looking stuff up too. He died from like a brain injury at his school. They found him unconscious 
in at his in his school dorm. He's only seventeen, mm-hmm. and they said it wasn't suspicious. It was like a brain injury or something. Yeah. Part of me is like, did he get a concussion or something? I know that's what I was thinking too. And he just his whole teammates. I guess mm-hmm. they've been just sending condolences, and they had were so happy for him when he got this scholarship. Yeah, to play with football soccer he was in the uk i think yes yeah no this story is he went by dom 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 Mm -hmm. the story is just so heartwarming and it's kind of like a feel good like everyone came together everyone survived there were a couple casualties with the divers two of the divers died one during the rescue and then one a year after from a bacterial infection but all of the people that were stuck in the cave survived, survived. the cave. And there was, um, so you watched the Netflix series? Is that what, is it a series or a movie? Uh, I can't remember if there's episodes or not. It's not very long. Uh, I need to watch it. I need to catch up on it, but it is on my list. Um, but so what it happened was, I think it was on June 23rd, 2018. Mm-hmm. So they were in the cave nine days in darkness without food. And the team was comprised of um, 11-year-olds through 16-year-olds mm-hmm. and the coach, who was 25. So they had this cave was explored before. Like, people were familiar with this It was like cave. a national park. Yeah. And they got on their bikes and they went. And I think that's what it was because I think there was a picture of them on their bikes like initially Mm -hmm. before. And I was like, oh, my God, they're smiling. They're happy. Like, they're going on this adventure. Yeah. Well, I in the documentary, they go a little bit deeper on how it's a small town and they're very rural. So that's kind of what you do. Like, instead of going to the movies, you go explore this cave or you go in the jungle, whatever. And it was like a common thing for them all to go do something like that. So it wasn't like they were like, oh, let's go Yeah, they weren't getting in cave. trouble or yeah. doing something that was out of the norm. Like mm-hmm. some of these kids have been to this cave yeah. already previously. And it was one of the kids, it was either his birthday or it was going to be his birthday. And so they were going to go like celebrate. And one of the boys on the team didn't go. And so after the boys didn't come home, the coach was getting calls. So the assistant coach is the one that's with them. Mm -hmm. And the coach was getting calls from parents wondering where the kids were. Well, he got a hold of the kid that went home and he was the one that was like, Oh, "Oh, they all said that they were going to explore this cave. So then the coach went to the cave and saw their bikes. And And it was the water had, so it was a sudden um, flash flood flash flood that brought it, that created the cave to be sealed. Yes, so the water starts leaking in from the top of the mountain all over. It just starts flooding. And the flooding season was usually like July to August, I think. And it was the end of June when this happened. Okay, so they were even before Mm -hmm. what the... And I can't remember who it was. It might have been that main coach that had planned to go to the cave by himself that weekend to go explore it. So, like, people were people going to go. the cave. It wasn't oh like, oh, it's almost flooding season. Uh, I will say that you you have a lot more notes than I do um, to talk about it. But what I did find, and I don't know if it's in your notes, that they actually... So, when it was realized that these kids were stuck in this cave, and so people were... Um, they were like, oh, we got to get these... Um, kids out out of the cave and then they're coming together and they're making these plans and they're contacting divers cave divers throughout the world 
uh, when they started to go into the cave, they found four water maintenance um, employees. They were the Thai water management officials that were trapped in the cave. Really? But they were at the, the kind of the beginning part uh-huh. of the cave. And no one even had known that they these four people were in this oh cave. Oh, my gosh. So these divers happened upon these these, these other four, people. these other people. And it was a good thing that they found these four because when they took them out, because they had to go under the water, like mm-hmm. doing the cave diving, one of the four got a panic attack. And so because they realized like, hey, these people aren't used to like cave diving and going down mm-hmm. into the depths of the water in these really, really tiny spaces, we have to figure out how we're going to get these boys out without them panicking because they're way in there. Right. So what they ended up doing when they did find the boys. So sorry, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. But when they comprised the team together, they had to find like anesthesiologist or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you had to be a diver and an anesthesiologist. Oh my God. Like one in a million. (laughs) It was one. They found three throughout the whole world that they knew. One was from the U.S., the U.K., and Australia. That is and wild. And so they knew that they were going to have to sedate the kids mm-hmm. to get them through. And so they contacted these cave divers and people that could give the anesthesia or whatever. And they're called um, anesthetists. Anesthetists? That's what they had it written. Anesthetists? I don't know. So <laughs> Clearly we're they not. They <laughs> wanted to. So the first, the Australian, he was like, I need a con to make sure that I have immunity if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be put in prison because I screwed up and I didn't say these people or something happens. So right. he had to have the, like the Australian officials contact the Thai officials and make sure that he had immunity if anything were to happen. And then also in in those steps, then the U.S. and also U.K. did the same. Mm-hmm. So then when they did find the kids, they had to give them um, ketamine. 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 <laughs> Thanks. And I even work in. Oh, my God. That's terrible. <laughs> ketamine to use to sedate them so they could bring them out of the cave. Right. But if they hadn't have found those four initial ones, they would have not even had, like, thought about that. Uh-huh. But they were able to put in place. And That's I think crazy. that was part of the thing that intrigued me, too. I was like, oh, my God, they have to find, like, a diamond in the rough. Like, they yeah. have to find these people that can do these things in order to save them. I This whole, we could talk about this for longer, but I know we're on our lunch, so we're going to kind of keep some details <laughs> out. You can watch the documentary. But it's just, I would not survive one day. In the cave? In the cave. Going- <laughs> I would be, I would be starving. I would be hangry. I would, I would, I would lose my mind. But what was interesting is one of the boys had his watches and every morning at 6 a.m. the timer would go off. So they kind of were able to keep track. Uh, and their assistant coach said that that is something that helped save them because they knew what time it was. They knew what day it was and they were able to stick to a routine. So I thought that was cool. I also, during the documentary, at one point, the assistant coach or the coach jumps into where it's um, flooded and he tries to find a way out. And I was a little confused because he's telling the story about how he jumps in and he starts to run out of air. And I was like, 
I mean, you just come up and you go back down. Like, why is he running but out of his But then they show him getting out and he was on a rope that the kids were holding. And then I realized, oh, no, Jeez. these kids can't swim. Like these people have are not strong swimmers. So he had just jumped into the water oh. with a rope that the kids were hanging on. And then when he yanked on it, they would pull him back up. But was he, because you know he had to go into those crevices and stuff, so he's, like, in the dark. Because all the divers, they have yeah. lights, so he's going in there blind. There's no light. Oh, he probably didn't oh get very far. All I he did never... was just jump in. He he trusted these kids so much, he just jumped in with a rope and tugged on it. And he almost lost all of his air. Yeah, no thanks. Because I, I was I asking can... Lee, my boyfriend's not a strong swimmer. I'm like, would you jump in there like trust all those kids to hold your rope and he was like hell no <laughs> well and i think too part of the story what you were talking about like the connection that this team had oh and my the god care, they the ultimate turn... team bonding yes. experience <laughs> they did not turn into lord of the flies no the whole time i kept waiting for like one of them to turn on each other one of them to get mad these kids were so mentally strong with their coach so their coach the backstory on him was his little brother died and then I'm guessing his mom probably died after that. I'm not sure how. Suicide. Maybe. And there was a, what do you call, we're in one right now, like a pandemic. A pandemic. There was an illness that was oh, in his. There was a virus. Yeah, or... something that was sweeping through his little town. And it killed his father also. So he became an orphan. And to not put the responsibility on the village to have to like raise this orphan they sent him to go become a monk to <laughs> live so with the monks. he was a monk for his whole life pretty much and so he had all the tools to help these kids and help them meditate and he had them on a schedule and he really encouraged them to support each other and to hold each other and to let them cry if they needed to cry and oh, they I were, would be crying <laughs> i'd be bawling my eyes out and he he just like took such good care of them that I I was just blown. I'm like, these kids wouldn't have survived without him. Like he kept them all calm. He would have them lay down and they would listen to their. Because they also had to save their air mm -hmm. because there was a very low oxygen supply. Yeah. So he taught them how to breathe without using a lot of oxygen. Mm -hmm. And sorry, I interrupted you, but, um, I was thinking how we kind of talked about this off air, but like his tragedy and his story of losing his family and going, it makes me tear up Like of going and living with the monks that enabled him lessons in life that saved 13 kids. Right. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like if his sole purpose was to have that journey just so he could be put in this position, like that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so amazing. And he had all the kids digging to get out of the cave. And every day they would have shifts and they would be digging, trying to get out of the cave. And he said in the documentary, I knew we weren't going to dig our way out, but it was something for the kids to focus on and it gave them hope. It gave them a purpose. I'm like totally here crying, thinking about it. Dude, they're so cute. Ah, oh, that's so wild that he had those tools to get them focused, keep mm -hmm. them calm. Because I'm telling you, if I was in a dark cave, <laughs> I would not be calm. Um, I'd not be trying to dig my I way. <laughs> I'd be digging my own ground. I, I did see too that when the divers were getting closer to them, there was like this stench, mm -hmm. and it was like this extremely bad stench, and they were they thought it was like 
decomposing mm-hmm. bodies but what it was was their waste mm-hmm. it was their and the, it, i like to think about all the things like you don't think like oh i have to go use the bathroom until you have to go use the yeah. bathroom right so the, how did they find a little spot in a dark cave where you're I like know. you gotta go over there and then and in one part of the documentary one of the little boys was like a lot of funny things happened in that cave that we like laugh about now but like at the moment it wasn't just, it, funny it was just... like he told this one story about how one of the kids was so hungry he dreamed that he was drinking his favorite brand of milk and when he woke up he had another kid's toe in his mouth <laughs> like sucking on a bottle yeah and then um he turned into a little puppy yeah so while they were digging they one of the older kids was like what would you guys do if a naked lady came in and one of the other kids said i tell her to get down and start digging because i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) yeah like all those things that happen to you in the experience yeah i just love like that they were able to have each other and and it made me think, too, when you were talking about how he learned from the monks about meditation and centering yourself and breathing exercises. I mean, you use breathing exercises when you're having anxiety attacks, mm-hmm. you know, like I just feel not only in our school systems and I'm, this is not throwing shade on like our teachers and stuff like that. But what is the importance? What are we learning? Like we need to learn like thing experience. I don't know how to, we need to learn tools that are going to help us throughout our life. So, you know, yes, kids need to go play, but also kids need to learn how to center themselves Mm -hmm. and how to ground themselves. And, um, yeah, like the kindness and the things that we've talked about before, but how do we shift that to where we're, it's something that you just need to learn well i also love that he validated all of their emotions instead of just trying to be strong mm-hmm. like he's like Being we're tough like, yeah we're all scared be, yeah. we're all sad we all miss our family that's okay and i i he validated mm-hmm. all the i kind of wonder almost if maybe it lessened any ptsd they might have developed from it by acknowledging the or experience. no just by being calm throughout mm-hmm. like I mean, obviously that's super traumatizing, mm-hmm. but I wonder if that helped in any way. I'm sure it does because like the trauma that you get from, uh, you know, traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. you, the panic or the trauma it's happening and so your body can't regulate itself, right? But right. he was regulating their bodies. Uh-huh. So their trauma is going to be different it's a different experience than like a trauma that wasn't regulated. Yeah. So taking, they learn the tools. Like, can like, you imagine if the Donner party were like meditating instead of I losing mean, their minds? I feel like the Donner party, that's a whole nother thing. Like <laughs> two different experiences between like you're starving in all the snow and you've been traveling for all that time. But still, like, it yeah. might've done them good to sit by a tree. And not cannibalize <laughs> There's no truth. Not beat him up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, the, think about it. That 13 people in a cave, that could have gone south real fast. Oh, for sure. Like, he could have had them dying left and right, just jumping in the water. Oh, yeah. No, props to the coach and the mega props. <laughs> the parents, of course, everyone in the U.S. is like, well, are they going to sue the coach? Right. And... 
the parents were like of we would never even think about that our kids adore him he saved their lives like he kept them why safe. would we and it wasn't sue his them? fault right it was a flash flood yeah and they're like negligence like bringing <sighs> in the kids and everyone was like absolutely not like we that's not even in the question we're not gonna sue this man oh my goodness that makes me so sad for the way that our I mindsets know. are here like what are our what make like what makes a rich life right what is a rich life yeah it's not always money yeah, I'm telling you right now, that guy has way more than I'll ever. Have. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the whole rescue mission is crazy though. They had to basically put the kids unconscious, put them in bags, and they were just being pulled along in an underwater pulley system. And they would have stop points where they'd have to put more medicine in their bodies. And um the divers would go first and they would be a little bit higher than the boys in the bags because they would feel if they were going to get hit in the head by a rock or something. And then that way the kids, nothing happens to them. And then Elon Musk tried to like make a submarine. Yes, I remember he was trying to do something where he was. Yeah. And everything that I read about it, it kind of sounded like he was trying to do a PR stunt. Oh, I'm like, sure. I'm going to make this submarine. And wasn't he was trying to go down from the, the like from the uh, actual yeah. land like down like he was gonna drill down or something? He was trying to do something, but it didn't work. They didn't use his little submarine. But yeah. First of all, I have a question. Who would you ever become a cave diver? Oh hell no. Same hell no. Hell no. I can barely put my face down in the water in the ocean. Right. Look at like the eel. Yeah. No. I. What creatures are down in there? I. And it's pitch black. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing, cave divers. And then they're like, the best <laughs> cave divers in the world. I'm like, how? I get would get nauseous. Well, oh I would get nauseous God. on so many different levels. You wouldn't I get know, nauseous being in the dark cave. You wouldn't know which way is up. You wouldn't know which way is down. So that book that I'm going to give you to read, it's this girl is kept in this, basically this locked basement for 10 years or uh -huh. something. And she's in the dark, barely. She was like kidnapped or whatever. Yeah. And what that's so wild being in a, the dark yeah well after they came out of the cave they had to wear sunglasses yes. for like two weeks in the book that's happened to really <laughs> she had to wear yeah <laughs> to protect the, her eyes from the, the sun and all of that oh my gosh yeah no this that documentary was so cool there's a ton of movies and, and documentaries and stuff, right? made about mm -hmm. this cave rescue like it was definitely will go down in history it's so cool i i can't even i love when there are things where I can't even imagine being that smart to fix the problem. Oh. Like, I would have been like, I don't know. Like, and then I think about if that would have happened in the U.S., I feel like the U.S. wouldn't really care. They would just, we would have to find out about it on TikTok. Like, it would have taken the police, like, <laughs> 10 days to figure out, yep, this is the cave. Where they well, and again, it goes back to all the, monet, like, the, log uh, not the logistics, the liabilities. No yeah. one's going to be taking the liability on it. No right. one's going to. Which I get that. I mean, the di those divers that I talked about, they did put that in place, but it was because it was in another country. Mm -hmm. um, but just like how I think that's what it was. The story it was so like everybody came together. Yeah. They were fixing a problem. Everyone they wanted to help. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows kind of like a mutual thing. Like we don't know what we're doing. We've never had this happen before. 
And I also loved, there was a lot of maps about the the pulley system mm-hmm. and how the mouth of the cave the was set up. The engineering of it. The engineering of it was so incredible. And they even had in the mouth of the cave an area for the family. And I just thought that they were so organized with their resources. They had an area for the family. Oh, wait, this is the cutest thing. So when the boys decided who would be rescued first, they chose the kids that lived the farthest away were going to be rescued. So the doctor came in and he assessed everyone. He's like, no one's at, they're all at the same risk. Mm -hmm. So no one has higher priority. Mm -hmm. And so the kids decided that whoever lives the farthest away was going to be rescued first so they could um, start on their bike and get to their family. (laughs) Yeah. So then they wouldn't, they would get to their family first and then the kids that live closer, they would leave last because it wouldn't be as far as a The journey wasn't as far. Yeah. That was their thought process Uh on it. Isn't that so cute? Like, oh when God. I heard that, I was like, they're so, so thoughtful. thoughtful and sweet. Like, oh, well, he's to ride the farthest, so we'll let him go first. Oh, my gosh. I know. I mean, it could go both ways. Like, the first one, <laughs> like, is this going to work? But I know. I, but still, that was very thoughtful. I know. Well, I guess they probably, because when the divers came up and found them, they had to leave. Like, they had nothing for them. Mm-hmm. That yeah, they didn't have any... They gave uh, them their flashlights and then they told the head diver was like, I'm going to come back for you. And in an interview that I saw, the interviewer asked them, did you have any doubt that you would be able to come back and get them? And he was like, no, I told them I was going to come back. Like I was going to come back for them. And the journey to get them, it started off as a five hour journey in and a five, a six hour journey or no, the opposite, six hours in, five hours out because of the currents. Mm -hmm. And by the third day of rescuing, it turned into like a three-hour trip. But still, three hours underwater. And like, aren't you supposed to not like use your, did they have oxygen tanks? Yes, so at different checkpoints, they would get more oxygen. Oh, so you're underwater the whole time. That part I was a little confused about. I think there were some stretches where you were underwater, and then the checkpoints were where there was air. Okay, so they could come And they up had people then... waiting. Wow. Yeah. I would have been just like, we need a really big pump. Yeah. Sump pump. <laughs> this is sump pump. Yeah. I would be like, we'll just bring them food every week. Like, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get them out. <laughs> and that was one of the options. Of, like, keeping them in there. They were like, like, well, I guess we'll just keep them in there and we'll oh create, like, an oxygen hole and we'll pump oxygen and bring food. And then the risk was that, you know, the monsoons would get worse. Yeah. And- oh, my God, because they were at the beginning of yeah. the season. <gasps> so definitely watch it. Yeah, definitely watch it. It's incredible. I really enjoyed watching it. We need to be more like the team. Yeah, they're. We need to live our life more like the team, Uh, more thoughtful and kind. I know. Oh, I love that. Those little boys are great. And like lots of peace to the one Dom's family. I know. That's so sad. It is. I'm glad that the the team has each other Mm -hmm. to like. Yeah. To lean upon. Mm -hmm. Lifetime friends. Mm hmm. Totally. Uh, Well. That's it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Not Sisters Podcast. Talk to you later.